everyone wants to stay on trend, right? Tailwind's 2022 design trends for social media include font pairings, color palettes, and motifs, all available for use inside of Tailwind. Use the report that I'm linking inside of the show notes to help you navigate your social media and keep your social posts looking so fresh. I use Tailwind to keep my Pinterest on point, and so can you. You can also use it to design inside of Tailwind and schedule social media for your social media platforms. Head on over to the show notes to check out Tailwind's 2022 design trends for social media. This is the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. Do you know what your brand's signature style is? Well, I got you covered. Take the 60 second style quiz on our website at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz. Once you're done, you'll get a breakdown of who your style icon is, a very cool discount code on working with me and College of Style to help bring out what your signature style is and make it work for you. So visit our website today at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz to take the quiz now. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra Colton-Medici. Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra Colton-Medici. You can listen to select episodes of the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements, coaching programs, working one-on-one with Sandra, and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Find digital marketing strategies and social media updates on Sandra's Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash college of style. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style and subscribe today to Sandra's newsletter. It's called Link in Bio and you can find it on LinkedIn to learn more about links that make you click. This is your personal invitation to join Sandra's community at collegeofstylecommunity.com today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Pipes with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for joining me on episode 74 of the Sweet Bites with Sandra podcast. My name is Dr. Sandra Coltman DC, and you are in for a treat this episode. The interview is with Sasha Thompson, and she is the founder of The Equity Equation. Sasha's work is about removing barriers or providing support in order to get to a place of equality. She helps executives and leaders have that important dialogue and coach them to the necessary long-term changes that develop institutional cultures of DEI which stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's a certified professional diversity coach and four stages of psychological safety certified coach. She received her bachelor's in sociology, concentrating on cultural diversity and ethnicity, and has a master's in educational policy planning and leadership from the College of William and Mary, and an MBA from Johns Hopkins University, where she focused on management and marketing. Do not miss the interview. It is a very, 
very special one today. Stay tuned. I'm so excited to announce that the Style to the Nines group coaching program will open the beta group on May 1st. Yes, May 1st. Sign up for my newsletter at collegeofstyle.com forward slash newsletter to get first access to the program at a significantly discounted investment of $300 for the six-week program. It has been created to give you design plus strategy instruction to build, nurture, and grow your social media presence. The program begins the week of June 1st, so sign up right now for the newsletter to get first access to Styled to the Nines. One tip that you can take with you when you do live shopping is to give people an ambiance. And what I'm talking about is what I saw on the live shopping experience of Walmart on Twitter shopping. They did a spring shopping event. And what I noticed in the comments is that there were at least three to four influencers that were posting in the comments during the live shopping event. Now, how I noticed this is because the tweets had hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored. And that meant that they were generating conversation inside of the tweets that you were seeing while you were watching the live shopping event with Walmart on Twitter. So think about that as you are planning your live shopping events, that if you're trying to generate conversation, it might not only be you talking with different people on your chat feed, it might be you including in your strategy, hiring influencers influencers to generate conversation in the chat feature or inside of tweet threads. Think about that as a strategy as well for generating conversation around the points that you want people to know so that the attention is brought back to the conversation that you want them to have around your products and services. Have you ever felt like you keep saying, um, I can't hear you or the voice quality is really bad during your online meeting? Well, Take a look at Iris Clarity by AppSumo. It's hard to stick to an agenda of your remote meetings when participants can barely hear each other, right? So let online conversations flow with AI-powered voice isolation with Iris Clarity by AppSumo. Check the show notes for a link on how you can get it today. My special guest today is Sasha Thompson. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yes, she is a consultant and a coach for executives in this DEI space. Again, thank you for having me. So, you know, my journey hasn't been very different than a lot of people, right? Um, what I think is probably unique is I started this DEI journey as a kid, right? So my family, um, I was born in Barbados. My family's from the Caribbean and grew up in Virginia. So I always had the sense of being the other. Right. So I knew that my family was a little bit different than my friends' families. They listened to different music. I didn't listen to American music until I was in third grade. Right. So my whole concept of what was, you know, growing up was very different. And so when I got to college, um, decided, you know what? My mom was telling me, you know, go get a business degree. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, okay. That's exciting. Um, but I ended up loving sociology. And so I ended up focusing on cultural diversity and ethnicity um, as my major and really just kind of diving deep into what makes cultures cultures and what makes us all um, within a certain culture. What are the things that bond us together? And then what are some of the things that we just aren't seeing the same, the perspectives, right? Our perspectives are very different. 
Um, and so just really diving into that since college. And ever since then, every position that I've had has touched diversity, equity, and inclusion in some way. Back then, it wasn't called diversity, equity, and inclusion, but that's exactly what it was, right? So I was doing you know, diversity outreach or creating programs to help underrepresented communities and those types of things. Um, and so fast forward to about two years ago, I had the idea of, you know, well, maybe I wanted to start doing something else in this space. Um, I was working for a large company um, managing inclusion marketing for them. So part of my background is in marketing and was noticing I was getting lots of people just asking questions. And so decided, you know what, maybe I should look into coaching. So started my certification to become a professional diversity coach, um, did that. And then fast forward, maybe about six months into my, not even six months into the program, um, George Floyd was murdered. And so just kind of seeing everything that was happening and dealing with what I was dealing with within you know, the corporate space, made the decision in September of 2020 to just walk away, right? And say, you know what? I want to start this. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, let me just go ahead and position myself as a consultant in this space, specifically around like equitable program development, um, looking at strategies, stepping back. <clears throat> and so um, over the last year, that's what I've been doing. It's been the coaching, it's been the consulting. I've been doing a lot of facilitation and really talking to leaders because what I'm discovering is so many organizations kind of jumped on that bandwagon of, yes, we want to do diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we want to start at this place, but they didn't start a foundation. They didn't create a foundation. So a lot of the work that I do is around creating that foundation for leaders. So at least we're talking on the same page, using the same vocabulary and understanding that this is ever evolving. One of my favorite brands right now is Shinola. They just launched their spring Detrola watches and well, like they say, it's time to bloom. New Detrola styles are a pastel paradise just in time for spring. So definitely add a pop of color, pop of color, pop of fun with the 38 millimeter melon baller or get fresh with 25 millimeter peewee styles. Click the link in my show notes to check out all of their fun watch styles at Shinola today. The equity equation really came out of a conversation. I have, I've been blessed to have um, one of my mentors is my cousin, right? She's 85. She's been in this space for 40 years. And in the pandemic, before I was starting my business or thinking about my business, having conversations with her. And what we started talking about was, you know, we talk about diversity, we talk about inclusion, but there's no conversation around equity and what that looks like. And so how do we balance the scale? How do we get to equality, which a lot of people are talking about, right? And you can't get to that without having some equity in there. Um, and so I look at equity as what do you need to provide as far as support? What barriers do you need to remove in order for everyone to be at the same level? right? To, to level the playing ground. And so that's kind of where the equity equation started, right? It's like, okay, let's look at your organization. Let's look at your program and see how we can remove barriers or how, to, how can we provide support so that everyone starts kind of at the same place. And I use the analogy of like children, use that all the time. 
and that we all love our children equally, right? But they're all very different, different personalities, different needs. And so you have to give your children what they need in order to succeed. And so that's how I look at this work, right? Is how do you look at the people within your organization and give them the things that they need in order for them to succeed? Because if you don't do that, you're setting them up for failure, right? And so there's no equity in that. There's no equality in that. And so that's kind of how I approach this work. Um, and, you know, it really is about taking a deep dive into who the organization is, who are the most marginalized within that organization, right? Which voices are you not hearing or seeing or aren't even there, right? And how do you ensure that you're reaching not only them, but your customers? And so that's kind of the piece that I'm noticing um, organizations are starting to get the hang of, right? They're starting to understand this isn't just about HR. This isn't about butts and seats. This is about how do we um, ensure that what we're doing is equitable for us and for those that we serve. Well, so you bring up a good point is how do you make it equitable and how do you find the challenge now? Because we are in this weird kind of hybrid remote situation. So now that, you know, what we would have said, okay, well, um, I can't really say that in an email. Is that going to come off wrong? Is that going to sound funny? You know, things that you might have just blurted out in a meeting are now very hyper scrutinized. Um, and so how do you teach people to be equitable or coach them to be more responsible, I would say, with what they are, um, you know, distributing online, whether it's in the, in a work scenario or just in regular life with this hybrid situation we're in. You know, it's interesting. So when this started, well, I'll say probably about six months ago, colleague and I created um, a series of workshops and one of them was on inclusive communication which was a huge hit. Everyone was just like, oh my gosh, yes. These are the things that we should say or think about. And that's what it's all about. It's sometimes we just blurt things because our intentions are good, but we don't necessarily think about the impact that it has on someone else. And so how do we kind of take that step back to really think about, okay, what am I trying to communicate here, right? What am I really trying to say? And, and taking the time to just be cautious, right? Careful with the words that we use. And so, but what came out of that also, as you add in this hybrid experience has been who thrives in the workplace, like in actually physically being together versus those that are like, I got a million other things going on, you know, taking care of mom, taking care of kids, taking care of working from home works for me because of where I am in life. And so, <clears throat> One of the conversations that has now come out about this is generational diversity, right? And how different generations, based on life, just life, what's happening and how that's impacting what's going on in the workplace right now, too. And so what we're noticing is the um, Gen Z, um, they're the ones that are pushing, right? Diversity is important to us. Like we... We expect this when we walk into an organization, but then they also expect to feel included and valued and seen and heard, right, in a hybrid environment. And so you're asking companies to really rethink how they've been approaching this work, because right now the millennial generation is the largest generation in the workforce, right? And they're about to be outpaced very quickly in the next few years by this next Gen X, I mean, Gen Z um, 
generation. And so organizations are going to have to learn how to pivot, especially as you get some of the boomers and older Gen X kind of retiring or leaving the workspace. So the whole ecosystem as we know it of corporate working in the office is going to be very different. Yeah. I mean, I, I notice it now and I work from home, you know, that, that it is different and, um, and, you know, I am affected every single day when I, you know, go onto Twitter and I see something happen like this morning, I'm looking at, you know, there are people who died at some concert um, and, you know, my heart goes out to these people because you never know like where, you know, tragedy is going to strike. Like this was literally probably just a random happening. But this kind of news cycle is what we're in. And so what do you see as the biggest, or I, I just say the frequent hurdles that executives face? Like if you were to be in a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with an executive and you're talking about, you know, changing mindsets and habits and structure, what is the most frequent response that you get is like, this is my hurdle. How do I get over this one thing? So it's funny you phrase it that way, because I don't think that the hurdle is seen that way, right? They don't even notice that it's a hurdle. And so I actually have to bring it up. Like maybe this is <laughs> what is blocking you. Um, and that hurdle is people, especially executive leaders, um, thinking that their employees are experiencing the world the same way that they do, right? And that's not the case. Um, prime example, I was working with someone last week where they were in a meeting with one of their executives and they were talking about a child being in the background, right? And it's like, oh, they just, it's too distracting. Why don't they just get a nanny, right? And it's just like, okay, um, that employee is not at a, at a place in the organization where that's an option, right? And so it's just this assumption that, oh, well, that's how I solve things, right? Why can't everyone solve things that same way? Um, it's, it's also this, I think what has happened over the last 20 months is a lot of people that have been yelling and screaming for the last 30, 40 years are starting to be heard. And so some of these experiences um, that colleagues and friends have had are a little jarring, right? Because it's like, oh, I never knew you were going through that. Or I never thought that my Black friend, you know, had experienced those things because those are things that were either brushed off or, you know, just didn't even come up in conversation. So I think right now what's happening is a lot of executives are realizing my employees aren't necessarily experiencing the world the same way that I am, especially if they come from marginalized communities. And so that's kind of the aha moment that's starting to happen. And the conversation then in coaching them is really about how do you listen, right? How do you bring in empathy? Let's disconnect the head and let's pull in the heart and really start to just understand where someone's coming from. You aren't going to be in their shoes, but at least understand their perspective so that you can then as a leader in your position, lend your privilege honorably, right? And make sure that you're doing the things to ensure that everyone is having a wonderful experience. And that may not look the same way that you experience the world. Yeah, I mean, when we think about just not just executives, but all of us, how can we be uh, in our actions, in our intention, um, more helpful toward elevating the BIPOC community? Um, you know, honestly, I think part of it is, and I want to step back too and say, 
that all of us in some way, shape or form have privilege, right? So we're going to talk about privilege. All of us have it in some way. And I talk about disability is I'm able-bodied. I don't have any disabilities. And so, but because of that, there's some things I just don't think about, right? And so those things I don't have to navigate. I don't have to think about when I go into a building, does it have a ramp? Or do I have to you know, worry about an elevator or an escalator or any of those? I don't have to think about that. And so it's now that I'm conscious of that, those are the things that I think about when I'm creating programs or events, because there's probably someone that has a disability that's not at the table and I need to speak up for them, right? So that's how you lend your privilege honorably. And so as we're talking about what people are experiencing, um, the first thing that I would say, particularly around, particularly around BIPOC, is not everyone within that BIPOC community experiences things the same way, right? So the Black experience is very different than the um, Latino experience. That's very different than the East Asian experience, right? And so by separating that out and understanding that everyone has a different experience, um, I think is number one. Number two um, is our intersectional identities, right? So we show up as layers of, of people. And I often use the example of an iceberg, right? We see what's above the surface. We see race, we see gender. We don't see culture, sexual orientation, um, you know, abilities sometimes. All of that stuff is kind of under the iceberg. And so as we think about ourselves in that way, what we can do to lend privilege is to think about, okay, what are some of the ways that there, there may be others that are not experiencing this the same way that I am, right? Just asking ourselves that question, right? Stopping conversations to say, okay, whose voice are we not hearing here, right? Who's going to be most impacted by this decision that, that we're making right now, right? And oftentimes it's not the majority, right? It might meet the majority's needs, but there's a minority group that's being left out. And so it's how do you center them in any of your decision-making, and so I say that in the general sense, because um, there may be folks that are BIPOC that have privilege in other areas. And so I don't want it to come across as if you are from a marginalized community, you're always the victim, right? Yes, there's some aspect of victimization there, but there's also some opportunities that you can step into and lean into. And so it's how do you do that? But then also, if you have lots of privilege, um, then how do you lend that, right? And what does that look like? Is your business not connecting or converting your followers online? Book your brand audit today by visiting collegeofstyle.link forward slash brand audit. I look forward to working with you to move the needle on your business and jumpstart your 2022 with strategic messaging and up-leveled visual branding. Click the link and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I mean that I'm you're I'm I'm leaning in because I'm learning as you're going. So, um and I know you have you have your MBA, you are like, you know, fully degreed certification and all of these other things too. So, the conversation I don't think is changing very much. You know what I mean? Like I I look at things and I say, "Wow, you know, we are still talking about this and my mom will say the same thing and my mom is white like she's been advocating for women and black girls for a long time because because me and my my sister um but you know when you think about the conversation she's like we 
haven't changed the conversation. The characters might have come in and out of the, of the narrative, but the main points are not changing. And so when you think about 2022, how do you pick up this, I should say, spotlight that we've had, you know, uh, because of tragedy um, in the most recent years and make it into something else that is just not necessarily part of the movement, because I think part of that movement has died um, and change it into a, a habit, uh, an in intentional way of life. Like, how do we change that in 2022? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think there's several ways that that can actually happen. Right. I absolutely agree. And that's why I said, you know, I, I talked to my my cousin slash aunt um, that's 85 about this all the time because she's like, these are the same conversations we were having back in the 1980s. Right. So things that she, I, she's seen progress, but it's still the same conversation. Right. And so the big piece of that that has not changed is power. Like who's in power? Who has the decision making um who holds that pen, right, to make that final decision? That hasn't changed. What I think is changing um, right now, and we're seeing it with the great resignation, is people saying, I ain't got to deal with this, right? Like, nope, you don't want to take care of me? I'm good. And it's starting to hit companies' bottom lines. And so one of the things that I always talk about is the best way to keep your talent, particularly your underrepresented talent, that everyone is looking for is to invest in them, right? And so I think there's this great opportunity and I did a, a webinar on this last week or a week before last, right? How do you change the great resignation to the great opportunity is to invest in that talent, right? Underrepresented talent, really honing in on the equity versus the equality, right? Like who are the folks that you really need to invest in and really need to um, hold on to. So I think that's a shift that needs to take place in order for this to continue moving forward. Um, the other piece of this as part of that great resignation is you're starting to see a number of underrepresented businesses popping up, right? And so it's continuing to support them, continuing to learn and educate ourselves in this space. Because the one thing that we cannot do is fight a system that was built to keep us out. What we can do is build our own tables, right? And so you're starting to see that and starting to see this shift of, we don't need that, right? We can build our own and take care of our own selves where there's some self-compassion and some self-care that's a part of that. Like that's a huge part of my practice right now is teaching my clients about self-care because I was in a corporate space where after two years of just abuse, right? You know, hair falling out, having health issues, getting ulcers, all of these, these things. I was like, I can't do it, right? So I call myself an early adopter in the great resignation because I was just like, nope, I'm out. I love myself too much. And I really talk to clients about that self-care. And once you have that self-care and you really can focus on what's important to me and who's that inner critic that I'm hearing, name that inner critic and know what to do with that inner critic, right? Then you can move forward and realize, okay, this organization doesn't respect me or doesn't really value what I bring to the table. So let me find a place that does, right? And so how do you position yourself? So I think corporations are going to start to see 
this great resignation is going to continue for the next, you know, three, four years, unless they start to do that investing in that talent and truly see people as people, right? And not as humans, right? And not as resources. And so that's, I think, the shift that we're going to start to see. You are so spot on. And I do think that it's not going to change um, as far as the the great resignation. I am so keen on reading these articles that I see on LinkedIn um, all the time about the great resignation, because that's where a lot of people are talking about it. Um, and, and really, some of the Gen Z that you were talking about earlier are not having it. And you know what? I used to I used to work at a few different um, art and entertainment colleges and performing arts colleges, and they weren't having it then with the like high cost of college. And they are not having it now in the sense that they're not wanting to take on the debt, right? Um, they're not wanting to say, oh, well, I, you know, the, the whole premise of you have to have a college degree to, in order to actually have a career. No, you don't, not anymore. You know what I mean? Not with the invention of the internet, right? Um, I think you do need business foundation and all of those other things to actually make it happen. But there are so many more resources that people are now tapping into mindfully their own self um, and what they know and are experts in that they don't need all of that premise of the, you know, I need a husband and a, you know, 2.5 kids and a car and a two car garage house. They don't need it anymore. They just have a laptop Wi-Fi. And so it's not the same anymore. And I think a lot of the companies that you're talking about have not recognized that it is not the same, right? We are not living in the same world. Generations now are like, well, benefits, what do you mean? They want to give us pizza. That, you know, that's the benefit that they're offering is like a cool culture and a cool environment at the office. And I'm like, no, these kids out here are, do not want that. They want clean water uh, and earth that we can like survive in. You know, they don't want the Amazons to burn down. You know, like there's so much of a disconnect in the generational aspect of what is security, right? And the security I think right now is freedom you know, the freedom to roam free and do what you want. And yeah, maybe I crash at my mom's house every once in a while, but that's okay. You know what I mean? So I think that you are so spot on with the corporations that are having to recognize that in this new generation, they are not having it. They do not want it. And the people that they, that I would say like you and I in our kind of respective generations are seeing that and going, I'm not having it either, right? I am so not having pizza in the conference room just so that you can eliminate some sort of like actual responsibility to say that, well, we had some sort of great, you know, connection. That's not connection, that's pizza, right? So um, I think that a lot of people you like equate pizza parties to actually having like lifelong connections and it's not. <laughs> um, but I, I, go ahead, sorry. I went on. I was just saying, you know, not at all, right? So it's like priorities have changed and shifted. And what they were, what a lot of companies were able to um, get away with, no more. No boss. Like it's not happening. Yes, exactly. Well, so I know that um, there are a lot of things that I we could go on into, but I we don't have that kind of time today. But I do want to invite you back whenever you want to be on the podcast again. I would love to have you. Um, for everyone who is looking for her, she is on the internet just like everybody else, and she is working with executives and coaching companies. Um, can you know you are putting on webinars for not just. 
um, leadership positions, but a lot of, you know, different organizations. So make sure to check her out. Where can people find you? Yep. So my website is www.theequityequationllc.com or you can find me on LinkedIn at Sasha Thompson. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been really enlightening because it is uh, a conversation that needs to happen over and over and over and not just the conversation but the action the intention the mindfulness all of that please send it out to all of your friends all of your colleagues all of your family so that this conversation does continue to happen in other circles in your circles thank you so much for joining us if you would like to sponsor an episode of sweet bites with sandra make sure to send an email to info at sandra include in the subject line be a sponsor.